Okay, so welcome back to our class about, uh, well, Alexa's listening, but that was more just a vain attempt or a pathetic attempt at trying to make something catchy and popular. But the reality is that we are learning about the laws of uh, Sekresha and Dovershane and Muscovin, right? When you when you do something that you don't intend to do, and we've talked about this in the past, and, and this is something which is extremely, extremely important and, and getting more and more important. So since we've had people here and not here over, over various weeks, and this will be our last week looking at the uh, Gemaros and the Rishonim, and then starting next week, we're going to start with the Halacha. We're going to go to the Torah Shachanach. I want to just quickly sum up where we are, where, where we're up to, and then we will continue. Uh, we'll finish Taisvis today and a couple of the, of the uh, responses to, to of, the, of the various uh, responses to Taisvis, and we will try to get some large picture about what's going on in the Rishonim, and then we will start the Torah Shachanach next week. So if you remember, we have the famous Machlokas and Shas, the debate between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda about a Dovershain and Meskavit, if someone does something where they don't have the intention to do the Malacha, right, is this considered to be forbidden? So by saying that, it doesn't unfortunately address uh, all the possible cases. So let's give two possible cases where they argue. The first case, which we have, the, the well, one of the one of the classical cases, where the Gemara brings in the Machlokas is was was in the case, let's say, of when somebody is doing a uh, brismila, and the brismila has um, there is a tsaras on the foreskin, so we know that there, that there is a prohibition to remove tsaras. You're not going to surgically cut off tsaras. So the question is, you know, do you require a special dispensation from the Torah to be able to do a brismila in this case or not? So the Gemara over there gets involved in the Machlokas between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda about since when you're cutting off the Taras, you're doing it for the sake of a mitzvah, you're doing it for the sake of a bris milah, that's Darvashen and So the Gemara over there gets involved in questions of psikresha. Another case where the Gemara talks about Darvashen and is the one of the case by uh, Shotness, by Klayim. So the case was that you used to have people who used to sell various garments from from place to place and they would wear the garments to transport them from place to place and some of the garments made of wool some of the garments were made of linen and sometimes they would be covering the woolen garment with the linen garment and this is actually a halacha that people don't necessarily even know today that if let's say you have a linen shirt and you have a wool jacket right people have linen shirts all the time people have a wool jacket there are some opinions, and, and this is what it sounds like from the Gemara, that this could be a problem of shotness. Even though they're not woven together, since you can't take off one without the other. So wool pants and a wool shirt, wool, wool pants, I'm sorry, and a linen shirt would not necessarily be a problem, but uh, wool, 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 wool a, a, a linen shirt and a uh, and um, and a wool jacket or a linen shirt and woolen tzitzis could be a problem. So the Gemara over there says that they're allowed to sell it as, as usual because according to Rabbi Shimon, they are, when they wear this clothing, they're not wearing it to kind of wear the clothing, but they're wearing it to, to transfer it from place to place. Therefore, it's considered to be a Davar She'enai Miskavin. So Davar She'enai Miskavin, according to Rabbi Shimon, is Pater, according to Rabbi Yehuda, is Chayim. 
we, we talked last time about what are some possible explanations about what they're arguing about. So we bought from the Pnei Yehoshua um, that it, it may have to do with Malechas Machshavas, with, with these laws by Shabbos, that the work that you do has to be deliberate, Machshavas, it has to be you know, done for the purpose of the Megdash. We asked a bunch of questions on that Pnei Yehoshua that uh, this, this, that we know that Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon disagree, as we've mentioned, in many other places in Shas, you know, not just with regards to the laws of Shabbos. And the issues of Malachas Machshavas only apply to Shabbos. They don't apply anywhere else. In addition, even in the cases where there is a dispensation for Malachas Machshavas, we always, without exception, have a rabbinical prohibition. Even if it's permissible biblically, we have a uh, rabbinical prohibition. While Davrashenim Skaven is per- completely permissible, even rabbinically. So therefore, it makes it hard to understand how the Pnei Yeshua could have understood that it's talking about Malachas Machshavas. So we explain, and we're going to bring further support to this today, that there that the that it's possible that the core machlokas between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon has to do with the following thing. That according to Rabbi Shimon, we say that intention, when you have one action that can be done for that that kind of can fit in these circumstances under two separate mysos, under two separate um, kind of halachic actions, right? So an example, right? A person has their daughter who's graduating from college, right? And he gives her a ring, right? And he puts it on her finger. That's not a maisa kedushin, right? Even if he even if he says even if he says the words, he's a pervert, but that's not that's not a maisa kedushin because She's not somebody with whom he can do kedushin, right? It's not. It's not valid. Nothing happened, right? Um, so, but if someone goes to a unmarried woman and everything is valid over there, and they put the ring on, it's called a ma'aseh kedushin. So, putting a ring on the finger under certain circumstances is a ma'aseh kedushin. Under other circumstances, is not a ma'aseh kedushin, right? So, in a case where you have an action, and the action, depending on the circumstances, could be halakhically. Uh, significant or not, in the case where there are two potential misos from one action, your intention allows you to decide which one you're doing. So to make this example a little bit, make this the principle a little bit clearer, I'll introduce an example a little bit early that we mentioned in the past, and this has to do with the case we saw in Zvachim, where Shmuel says that you are allowed to pour, you're supposed to pour the wine that you bring with the sacrifice, you're supposed to pour it on top of the flames. So the Gemara asks over there, I, you're extinguishing the flames, it's a problem of Machaba. The Gemara goes, you know, back and forth, and the Gemara ends up saying that Shmuel follows the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, that since you're pouring the wine on the flames not to extinguish the flames, but to uh, fulfill the mitzvah of Kiboy, but to, sorry, to fulfill the mitzvah of Zilof, the mitzvah of Nisachayayan, and you're not intending to extinguish the flames, it's fine. So we're going to see that Tosis uses this as one of its supports for the principle of Psikresha Delonichale, but Rashi over there does not. Rashi over there uses a very, explains it in a very different way. It's very illuminating. So if you scroll down to the very bottom of the sheet, the last source on our sheet, there's Rashi. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, let me just share the screen. Um, so I have the right one. Okay. So Rashi over here, you see Rashi over here in Zvachim, Rashi says, 
Um, let's make this full full screen. Okay, Rashi says, "Ha Rabbi Shimon, Shmuel ke Rabbi Shimon." Shmuel follows the view of Rabbi Shimon. The kivon de Eidem is kavan lechabai, since he does not intend to extinguish. Ain lo sechva. Raya lav laaser lemeikar mashmusa de ishe mishum kushe lo sechva. So now, so he says, because the person is not is not intending to, therefore, we have a valid derivation of the Torah that you're supposed to pour the wine on the fire. Now Rashi asks the million dollar question. Very nice, you're not intending to put out the flames. It is a psikresha, right? Rashi says a fascinating thing. Since you can pour the wine with really tiny droplets in which nothing gets put out, even if you put it out using large drops, meaning you are extinguishing, this is called the Dover Shadim So Rashi is saying, since there exists a way to do without doing kiboy, there's a way to do the mitzvah of pouring the wine in a way in which it will not extinguish the fire. You could do it in a way that it will extinguish the fire because of Rabbi Shemuel. So what does it sound bizarre, right? If you're doing it in a way in which it will extinguish a fire, that should be a problem of psikresha, and that should be an issue. So what does it help that there exists some way, some other way, which you're not doing, in which this consequence won't happen? So we explained that the principle over here is that once you could separate the actions, meaning once you can do action A, meaning once you can do uh, action of Zilof without doing an action of Kiboy, once there are scenarios in which Zilof Ayayin could be done without Kiboy Ha'esh, so now, even if your action, part, this specific action, happens to have them both, you have a right through your intention to decide which action you're doing. There is no prohibition to put out a fire on the Mizbeach through a Maise Zilof. There's a problem of putting out a fire on the Mizbeach through a Maise Kiboy, through an act of extinguishing. So as long as there exists a way to separate them, they have separate identities now. And your intention could decide and be koveya, as we say, which action you're doing. This is a very subtle idea. It's not an easy idea to grasp. But it will have to do, as we're going to see, with the very, very kind of structural debate over here about what is psikresha that's going to be extremely relevant for our question of psikresha delonichalik. By the way, Rabbi, is this related to, we had discussed this before about with, you know, Shabbos Goy, um, like there, there was this case where there was a restaurant and, you know, they, 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 they used the elevator, but they could have used the, the, the stairs. And because they could have used the stairs, the elevator was okay. Is this that's similar? That's a great question. That's a great question. So that's a very, very good point. It is related, yeah. That it is related, yeah. So what Helmut's referring to is that there, there was a there was a scenario that we talked about a while ago. When we were talking about the laws of Amir Laakum, where there was a uh, Pesach hotel or whatever it was, where the kitchen was in the was in the basement and the dining room was on the first floor, and they had stairs to bring up trays, but they also had an elevator. And the discussion was 
could the could the, could the non-Jewish could you order from the non-Jewish waiters? Uh, this way, they're going to be using the elevators to bring up the food. Is this considered asking them to do work on Shabbos? And we said over there that since there's a way for them to do it in a permissible way, if they then choose to do it in a forbidden way, then that's their choice. So that's, yes, you're right. That is very much related. This is just taking it a little bit further, Mm -hmm. right? That over here, we're saying that, you know, your intention over there, we're saying that two different methods for them to do, but yes, it's a very similar idea. Okay. So let's go to Tysus now. Tysus is going to be a little bit dense. We're not going to be able to focus on every single line, but at least we'll get to general drift and the Gemaras that Tysus is going to be talking about are going to be the Gemaras that most that, that we've seen already. So the Gemara, I want to just give a little background before we start Tysus, what Tysus is talking about. The case in the Gemara over there, the Gemara is asking if let's say somebody has a barrel of wine and the barrel of wine, and so right in their days, you could open a barrel from the top, or you can open, there was like a way to open a barrel from the side. It would make a hole, and then when you were done taking wine, you would have to plug the hole. And the case over there is that the person wants to plug the hole with a rag. So the Gemara over there is talking about, is there a problem, right, with plugging the hole with, with a rag? Because there could be an issue, Rashi explains, because there could be an issue of what's called schita. Because since once you plug the hole with the rag, the rag becomes full of wine. And when you squeeze it in there, it squeezes out wine. So Tysus in the beginning over there is arguing on Rashi and saying that the problem is not schita because the issue of schita with fabric applies only to water, not to other liquids, because water is something which you use to clean fabric. And the problem of schita by fabric has to do with cleaning it. And instead he goes a different way and talks about Mifarik, but that's not that's not you know really relevant to us. I mean, it has to do. You need to know this if you're going to be learning uh, the whole Tosfos. But I want to focus on specifically the Aruch. And the Aruch writes as follows: V'chein perish per Aruch. Aruch writes: The psikresha de lo shari. Anytime you have a psikresha and you don't intend to benefit from it, it's not it's not a benefit. It is permissible. Ikar say in his primary proof. This is the Gemara I just mentioned and I brought the Rashi on. That was the Gemara of the pouring of the wine. Because the Gemara over there just said that Shmuel's approach, that you're allowed to pour the wine on the fire, even though you're putting it out, is going with the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. So Rashi over there asked the question, it's a Psikresha, and Rashi gave his answer. The Aruch clearly does not agree with Rashi's answer. And the Aruch says that even though you can pour with small droplets, if you're going to pour with big droplets, it's still going to be a problem. So why is it permissible over there? It's permissible over there because since you gain nothing from extinguishing the fire, it becomes a psikresha de lo Right? It means even though there is a psikresha, even though it will for sure happen, since you're not intending to put out the fire and you don't benefit from the fire going out, that is permissible. So there is a machlokas over here between Rashi and the Aruch. Rashi says psikresha is a problem. Rashi has to introduce this innovative idea about the difference between large drops and small drops. And the Aruch is just saying, no, this is an important proof to the principle of psikresha delonichal. Al-Fagav psikresha hu devade mechabed ekiven lo'inichalei b'hai kiboy shari. 
Now he's going to bring another proof from the other Gemara we saw, which was the Gemara about the Hadas, the Myrtle Branch. You're allowed to clip off the berries off the Myrtle Branch, off the Hadas Biyamtif. Perish. In Ve Hadas, you have branches of Hadas, Uparich Vahamasakimana. So by clicking off the berries, you make the Hadas kosher. And by doing so, you make it into a viable thing for Yamtif, right? It becomes a kosher hadas. So that should be a problem of ticking money on Yamtif. So we said that the reason why it was permissible over there because you weren't intending to make the hadas kosher. You're one of those weird people who like to eat berries off myrtle branches, right? This is, I don't think they're particularly edible, but not everybody is particularly normal. Okay. Um, so, so the Gemara asks over there, I, Reb Shimon, agrees that Psikresha is a problem. And the Gemara answers, that he has another branch, meaning he doesn't need this Hadas for Yantif. So the Gemara says that, so, so sorry, Alma, Kibun, Lai, Nikhle, Vechashin, Baitik, and Shari, Alam, Afagaf, Dipsikresha. So the Ark brings two proofs. The first proof is from the Gemara of pouring the wine that we see over there that the Gemara says, as long as we follow the view of Rabbi Shimon, it's going to be okay because you don't intend to extinguish the fire. And so the Ark says, well, it must be because putting out the fire is not a good you know, uh, consequence and therefore there's no problem. And the second proof he brings is from the Gemara of Hadas. From the Gemara where you're picking off the berries off the, off the, off the Hadas branch, and the Gemara says the reason why there's no problem is because you don't need it on Yamtif. You have another one. So as we said then, it doesn't really make sense to be a logical explanation for Psikresha because you objectively made a Hadas. But we said that the reason why it makes sense over there is because if you follow the view of Psikresha, it's going to be fine because you didn't benefit from it. He doesn't bring the proof that we saw earlier from the Gemara about the um, getting rid of the, you know, kind of pulling out the chives and the various things that we said, right, the Gemara over there made a, made a difference if you're doing it in your friend's field versus if you're doing it in your field. We said if you're doing it in your friend's field, if you're intending to fix the field, you're prohibited. If you do, right, if you remember, that was the very first Gemara we saw, right? The top one, right? Right? So you're, you're weeding and you're, you're doing all these different things. Right, the Gemara with endive. So the Gemara says, right, the very end, the Gemara says, like that the only time it is uh, permissible is in the case, uh, case where you're doing it in your friend's property. If you're doing it in your friend's property, it is permissible. So let's just quickly take take a look at Rashi over there, and Rashi says. He doesn't really care to make it nicer. It's not, he doesn't gain anything, right? So this was one of the proofs that also there's a problem of psikresha and Taisvis over there says it, all right? Taisvis on Daf Kof Gimel, even though it's not brought in Taisvis and Ksubis, Taisvis on Daf uh, um, uh, uh, Kof Gimel brings that psikresha delay right? And, and right, uh, uh, and he brings it for the Arach. So it's interesting why Taisus and Subas doesn't bring this proof for the Arach if he claims the Arach in Taisus and Shabbos says the Arach himself brings it. Okay, but 
The real question is, is that now Rashi and those who don't agree with Psikresha, um, that with uh, with uh, Psikresha, the Lonichle are going to have to answer three Gemaras, right? They have to answer the Gemara in Shabbos of Gimel Amad Aleph 103a, where the Gemara over there said that, that there's a difference between pulling out these endives in your yard versus your friend's yard. They're going to have to answer the Gemara in Zvachim, the Gabi pouring the wine on the fire. And they're going to have to, have to answer the Gemara of Hadas, where the Gemara says as long as the person has another one available, that's going to be permissible. Okay, so let's look at the read. Um, let me just find the Tysus again, sorry. Where was Tysus? Here it is. Okay. So the Nira Lari. So the rewrites. That there is no proofs from here. Nothing is difficult. So no, but here he's going back to the original question about squeezing out the kerchief. Okay, so he's addressing first the first question that, you know, and I don't want to, I'm, I'm going to skip this part, but he's trying to explain that there is a prohibition of schita, of squeezing out liquid from a garment, even if it's not water. And it's also because of uh, washing it, and then he, he tries to bring a proof to and tries to explain. Okay. Okay. Um, sorry, here. So here the re says that the way he's arguing is he's not saying that psikresha de lonichle is forbidden biblically. He says that afa gafta have psikresha de lonichle. That according to Rabbi Shimon, if let's say you have a psikresha delonichale, it is going to be forbidden somewhere to Malachashefa. What does the re say? The re is now introducing a third possibility. Until now, we've had two possibilities. One possibility is as follows, right? You have a psikresha, right? You have Something you did, and it is, and and it is, um, you know, sorry, you you did a forbidden thing, but you didn't do it with the intention to do it for that reason, right? Then uh, we said psikresha v'layamas that I ah, it's a problem psikresha. The implication is that now it should be forbidden midoraisa. It should be completely forbidden. And then the aruch introduced the possibility of psikresha de uh, uh, lo and if you argue on Pesachresha, you would think that what that means is, is that you believe it's a regular Pesachresha. And since it's a regular Pesachresha, you're not going to be chayv midoraisa. You're going to be, you're going to be liable, you're, you're going to be liable uh, biblically. The re says no. The re says that even if you disagree with the aruch, you will still only be liable rabbinically. Why? The re says because it's similar to Malacha and Srikhalagufa. Now, the re is very difficult because the Aruch is bringing proofs from things that are not Shabbos. He's bringing proofs from, um, from the, had, the, the Hadas is Shabbos, but, but the case of Zvachim and the, and, and the the discussion by Klein, which is not being brought here, are all in the cases where it's not Shabbos. We're talking about the prohibition of putting out a fire in the Mizbech. We're talking about the prohibition of wearing shotness. What would the re say over there? Would the re say 
over there you are liable biblically and over here it's the only reason why you're not is because by Shabbos there's another dispensation of Melacha She'en Tzricha Legufa. So what's going on? So what is Melacha She'en Tzricha Legufa? So we're going to get into this. This is like, you know, step two, if, if we even do it, right? If we have time. But Melacha She'en Tzricha Legufa is something a little bit different, right? There's a Mishnah in Shabbos that the Mishnah talks about that where, where someone is dragging a bench or someone's carrying out a dead body. And there's a machlokas also between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda, if a malacha shein tzricha legufa is asar on Shabbos. So one of the one of the classical cases is someone drags a bench and, and they're making a, and they're, they're kind of making a uh, furrow and the question, and, but they're not dragging the bench for the sake of the furrow. So according to, uh, so, so Rabbi Yehuda says that you are going to be liable biblically because malacha shein tzricha legufa is chayba According to Rabbi Shimon, no, it's it's only uh, liable uh, rabbinically because it's it's not a malechus machshavas because you're not doing it, you're not doing the action, the prohibition for the reason why they did it in the temple. Okay, how is this different than a case of Ena Miskavin? Because by a case of Ena Miskavin, you are not the 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 idea is that the action which you're doing. You're not doing with the intention to, to transgress Shabbos, meaning you're not doing it with the intention to have the result that would transgress Shabbos at all. Meaning you're not in, you don't want that result. Over here, when you're pulling it and it's making a furrow, you're doing it with that result. Meaning you see the result that you're doing, but you're not doing that result for the purpose of which it was done in the temple. Right. So when you open up your fridge door, if there's only one in a million, probably wherever, whatever probability, 50% chance that the light will turn on. So then every time you're opening up your door, you're not intending to turn on the light, meaning that you're not actually doing the action of turning on the light. There's a separation between the opening of the door and the turning on of the light. Psychracial links them, links them, right? At least that's what we took on originally. Psychracia links, right, the, the, these two actions. It links turning on the light to opening the door and makes them into one action. means in a case, let's say, where you're burning coal, you're, you're, right, you're burning wood. So if, let's say you're burning wood on Shabbos, the prohibition in the temple is because they wanted to make charcoal, right? So you're burning wood for some other reason. You want heat. So that's not, so that would be because you're not doing it for the sake of making charcoal. Even though you're doing the action, you're burning the wood. So what the re is saying over here is that he's saying, and here's a very difficult point. He's saying, is enough to say that, yes, it's not it's psikresha, but it's what does that mean? That means that when you do when if let's say you're opening up the fridge door and you like the light turning on in your in your in your in your fridge. Since it will always happen when you open up the fridge door, it's always going to happen. This becomes turning on the, this becomes turning on uh, the light in your fridge. And not only that, this is why you're opening your fridge door or this has something to do with your motivation behind opening your fridge door is to turn on the light. As opposed to as opposed to a case where it's psikresha delo nichale, yes, you're opening up your fridge door, but you don't have the intention for the light to turn on. 
You just want to open up the door. So the re is saying a very strange thing. He's kind of agreeing to the aruch halfway. He's saying well, there is a difference between psikresha delay nichalei and and the and the psikresha de nichalei, right? Psikresha where you gain something and when you right or where you don't gain. There is a difference. When you gain something, that becomes part of your intention. And when you don't gain something, it's not part of your intention, but it doesn't make a difference. Because you still did the action and you had the intention for the action, right? So there's a subtlety here. For the Aruch, okay, intention is everything. The whole issue of Psikresha for the Aruch is all about intention. Yes, when you, when you, Darvish and Miskavan says, as long as there are two potential actions over here, you have a right to decide which one you're doing. I don't care if they happen to overlap 100% of the time in this circumstance. But if it's a, but if it's a psych ratio where you gain, then you're lying if you tell us you don't have the intention. You have the intention, and therefore it's not a Miskavan. It's not a Miskavan. It's not a Miskavan because you have the intention to do it. That's what the Arach is saying. That yes, even if you did it, but in the case where you don't have the intention, I don't care if this will happen 100 out of 100 times. This is real Enem Eskavan because you did not, this is not considered to be an intention for this particular action. And a Lachashet is where you have positive intention for the action, but you don't care for the result. Very subtle. It's a very subtle thing. Right, and I'm using the word action in like a few, like in four different ways. Right, there's a, you know, it, it's like it's like I, I was recently at a at a meeting recently, and I realized that I used the words. It was like one of those kind of helping Jewish kids on campus meetings where everyone says a lot of fluffy words, and I realized that I used the word space in a different way, like eight times. Mm-hmm. Provide a space, giving a space. The last way. Uh, I'm, when I was a kid, I'm not going to say the song because you know Igor also probably unfortunately knows this. But there's a, there's an there's an old Russian song where there's a certain Russian swear word that you're able to use in different conjugations, just that word, and create an entire sentence out of it. Like about I forget like a conductor could chop wood for a train. I don't know. Basically, it's just the same swear word conjugated in different ways, and. Is you could just use that I think like ten times or fourteen times. I have to ask uh, uh, the person who I got it from. I'm not going to say it, who who it is because he listens to this class on Anchor. Um, this 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 older relative of mine um, who, who who one time explained this to me. But so over here also, I'm using the word action in a very similar way. That action is not. I'm using it the, the same word to mean different things, right? Because according to I'm using action to mean the Hebrew word maisa. And action to use mean the Hebrew word asiyah. And they're really not the same thing. I just have a limited English uh, vocabulary. And I'm not really good at figuring out a good English word to uh, separate them. But the action, the action of, my wife is making fun of me. Okay. The action of Misa, right? The action of Misa, as we talked about, is the halachic significance of the action, right? So it's the Misa Kedushin versus the Misa of putting, you know, a ring on the person's daughter's finger, right? So one's halakhically significant, one's not, right? So pouring 
wine on a fire can have the halachic significance of being an act of nisachayayin and an act of kibbutz, right? Those are two different halachic wrappers for the action which you're doing, right? And then there is the asiyah. The asiyah is the pouring of the wine, right? So a davershen miskaven is when you have two possible wrappers for the same physical action, and according to Rabbi Shimon, your intention allows you to uh, decide which one you're doing, right? Method overloading, right? So you get to, based on the parameters, which is which is your intention, you can even though the method looks the same, has the same name, right? But it has a different, it has it has a different significance. Is where no, your intent when you're dragging the bench on the ground and you're plowing with it, you're plowing with it. There is no two separate things. You're literally plowing with it over there, and, and your intention is to drag it through the soft earth to get it somewhere, but you just don't really care for the furrow. So over there, some people want to say that that would be right? And that Rabbi Shimon says is a problem is a uh, rabbinical problem. So the re over here is saying something very subtle. He's saying, I will agree with the aruch that there is a difference between psikresha delay nichile and psikresha de nichile only as if so far to say that, what did I have intention for this action or not? Meaning for the secondary rapper, not for the rapper I've chosen, right? If I'm nichile, I have intention for both. And therefore, it becomes dragging the bench without caring about the result. Sorry, then it becomes a full-on biblical uh, prohibition. But if I am not benefiting from it, so I don't have the intention, but according to the re, your intention doesn't let you choose a wrapper if these are always kind of going to happen at the same time, meaning if there's no way to split them. So then it, it's considered, right, it blives meschav, it's considered the action. But since you don't have the intention, it becomes a malach of the gufa, okay? I know this is a little bit confusing. I'm sorry if it's uh, confusing. And when you learn the sugya, hopefully you will uh, have a better and hopefully deeper understanding of it, okay? But for what we're concerned, the re is saying a new thing that even according to him, who argues on the Aruch, he's not going all the way to say that a psikresha del onichale is biblically prohibited. It will only be rabbinically prohibited, okay? This will make a very, very big difference for us. Okay. Um, so just to wrap up over here, so our re so he says, now he wants to kind of knock away his other proofs, and he wants to say that, um, let's go over here. So he says, um, um, where are we, the re? Mm. Yeah, near the re, sorry. So the so the re says, the rios ha'aruchenim rios. The proofs of the aruch are not proofs. Why? That there of Shimon allowed you to pour wine on top of the fire. You can say that the reason why it is permissible over there is because it's for the purpose of a mitzvah. And even though it is psikresha, it's okay because it's for the purpose of a mitzvah. This 
answer of the re is very difficult because the Gemara over there, if you recall, introduced the possibility of mitzvah before and brought a proof from a different brisa that even doing something for a mitzvah is not going to be okay to put out the fire. So it's not really clear what the re is saying, what mitzvah will help you over here. If there's a problem of psikresha, there's a problem of psikresha. The Gemara over there already entertained the possibility of mitzvah. So the re's answer is very difficult. Rashi, we saw, gives a different answer uh, to that proof. But the re's answer is very hard to understand. Okay. So, so then he brings the um, for the case of the second hashana. Again, he brings this answer. is permissible because it's a mitzvah. So again, the re right now is very challenging because what the re is now is giving in another step to the arach. Right, the re is now saying, right, at worst, psikresha is at worst only uh, forbidden rabbinically. Right. Because or similar to and even and if it's a case of a mitzvah, if it's a case of a mitzvah, it's completely permissible. So this is a new. This is this also. It's hard to understand based on the logic that we've talked about. What is the where does the mitzvah fit in over here, right? But halacha right? This will be a huge consequence, right? Let's say in the case where we need a place to daven. Right, and the place we have to daven in has a motion sensor, right? That measures us going in and out, right? Let's say it doesn't turn on the light. The light could be because we because we, we benefit from it, whatever. We'll talk about that, right? Let's say it just kind of tracks, you know, it's like a security feature to see who's in there, people moving, and it tracks us. Yeah. So, like the Aruch, we can walk in that room because the creation don't So you'll say, okay, but what about like the other opinions? But like the re also because it's a mitzvah. We need it right. We need it for davening. It's sarich mitzvah, so it should be uh, permissible. So this is very interesting because the re is making this up, right? He has the proofs. He has to deal with the proofs of of zvachim and of hadas. He's ignoring Rashi. And he's inventing a new dispensation of mitzvah, which we don't see anywhere. And it's hard to understand the logic behind it. But practically speaking, this, this could be a very, very important thing. The final, so then, so then right, the re wants to give, wants to give, an, um, he wants to give another approach. That, right, the re says, Inami hachaperish v'hapsek reishu de isle hashana achriti v'hayol v'chein shari l'arab shimon d'shema lo yitztarach la Okay, so now the re says a very bizarre answer, right? I, I, I really hope, don't think I'm being disrespectful to, to the re. I mean, whatever, I said it, I said it in a joke, right? I mean, the re, whatever. I'm saying we have to, we have to ask, right? We, but the, the re is hard to understand, so we have to work on it. I don't know if we're working on it here, but it's difficult, right? The re wants to answer for Hashanah He wants to say that if you don't, if you don't, or if you're not necessarily going to need it, it's not a psikresha. Why? Because Shemalo Yitzdaruklov and Nimsa Shloi Tikkenkli. So what the, the re is saying is, is that what decides if your action is considered fixing the vessel or not? It's not if it's objectively usable for a certain purpose. 
it is only considered to be fixing if you're going to use it for that purpose, right? Which is very strange. We never see that by taking mana, right? It's a very hard thing to understand. Why is that true? Okay. But let's say that's true for now, right? Let's say the re, the re is saying a classical halacha in the mana, let's say, right? So the re is now saying, why is it permissible? Well, it's permissible because at this point in time, you don't know if you're going to use it. So right now it's not a psychration. So later when you do end up using it, it's fine. Why does Rabbi Yehuda argue? Rabbi Yehuda argues because he says, maybe you're going to need it and it will turn out Milsa, the Kliava, it will turn out retroactively that you made a vessel. So again, the re over here is very difficult because is he making up a new debate now between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda about how do you deal with the case of Suffolk? Right? You right, the case is you have your hadas, you don't know if you're gonna end up using your hadas, yeah. So according to Rabbi Shimon. Since there's a possibility you won't use it, it's fine. It's 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 not tikkun mana. Tikkun mana is only so both Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon agree that tikkun mana is only if you actually use the vessel. But according to Rabbi Yehuda, the fact that since there's a possibility you may use it, and by using it, it will turn out that retroactively you made it, so it's prohibited to do. And according to Rabbi Shimon, since there's a possibility you won't use it. Right. So therefore, so 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 um so 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 therefore there's no problem. Okay, this sounds like a fascinating theoretical argument, right? About a case where you have uncertainty if something will happen. How do you, you know do you have to work? What does this have to do with their argument about Ainamaskam? This is unrelated. This is this sense seems to be a new machlokas and tikimana. Like, hey, we're making up how ticket mana works, which is not the basic way you understand it. That it all depends about whether or not it turned out to be usable, right? A very kind of homocentric, right, way of thinking about it, right? That, that, that all that matters is our action and not the thing itself, yeah? Right, that, that it's not fixing the thing that matters, it's are we going to use it? Okay, fine. Let's say we kind of give in on that. Now you're making up a new machlokas between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon about what happens if you have a suffix? This is a very challenging question to me. And by all these questions are dealt with extensively by the various achronim, right? This Tosfes, when we learned it in Yeshiva, in Ksubis, took us a month, four hours a day, because this is an extremely difficult Tosfes with a lot of very, very wide-ranging things and live Rishonim and achronim over here. I'm just trying to bring out the We're just doing a flyby on our way to, I know, uh, to the halacha. I want to bring out the, the questions here, right? That we can't read this Tysus and walk away happy. I don't want anyone to be happy. <laughs> we're going to we're walk away Tysus that we, this Tysus is very challenging. Okay. So then he brings a question on the Arach himself. Apirish Arach Kasha did not prepare explain the Shratzim. It teaches in the chapter explain the Shratzim. Hamapis Morsa B'Shavis, if you pop a pimple on Shavis. Now, wait a minute, Helmut, in German, how do you say Papa Pimple? <laughs> I have not heard that word. Uh... What's a pimple? Well, what's a pimple in German? Papa Pimple. Because I remember my Rebbe used a very strange Yiddish word. So I'm just yeah, curious. Yeah. If it, uh... 
What? Say it. No, no, I can't remember. It's like a Ungarinko. Un- unga, uh, it, it was like 15, 15 years ago. I don't remember. But well, what's the German word for a pimple? Could be a pimple also. Let me, let me see. Or like a blister. Hmm. I don't remember. He had some kind of very complicated. You get this word that nobody had, 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 had any idea what he was talking about. Because like he's giving the shir in Yiddish and he's like, and then stuck uh, the rice and and they said in the word and like we got it from the context. And I remember everyone was like, "Okay, you know, like where did this word come come from?" <laughs> so, pickle? No, pickle. But pickle, pickle is a is a. Okay, uh, so that was that was another word. Okay, fine. Weird. All right. So I don't know. Bristrik. 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 No, so he had a different. He had a different word. I don't know what it could be. It was like a Lithuanian Yiddish word. I don't know. But the the point is that right. Someone pops a pimple on Shabbos, right? Someone wants to burst a burst a burst a, burst a blister, right? On Shabbos, in if he wants to make a mouth for it, meaning he wants to kind of uh, make a hole in the blister to allow airflow in, right? To kind of allow the skin to heal and let inflow. It's im It's a problem of bone of building. Because you're making an entranceway to allow things to go in and out. So it's a pa lahachnasu lahotzi, and it's forbidden because of binyan. Bim lahotzi menulechem, if you're just trying to drain the blister, potter, it is permissible. And the Gemara over there says it's completely permissible. And the Gemara says, why? It's permissible because this blister is causing you pain, and you're allowed to, you know, in, under circumstances of pain, certain. Uh, rabbinical prohibitions are permissible, so therefore you are allowed to pop it, even though you are you are you are um, uh, sorry. So therefore, it is permissible. Avol ilav mishum sire, but if not for pain, have aser afal gafloi nichalei So the reason asking that the right the Gemara says why is it permissible to lance this blister in order to get out the 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 pus the liquid? So you'll say the Gemara says because. Since you are, because since you are, um, because since you are in pain, right? Therefore, it's permissible. So, factory, why should I need pain? It's a psikresha de lo nichale. When you pop the pimple, right, and you're letting out the liquid, it's a psikresha de uh, uh, de, uh, de lo nichale, and therefore it should be permitted. So, the, what's difficult over there is that the re is again making an assumption that having a path. It, that that taking glancing it just to get out the pus is a psikresha de lo nichale. Could be that it's objectively beneficial to have ear flow in. So it could be nichale. We don't know it's not. The re is making an assumption. So that's very challenging. Okay, so we're running out of time. I want to just sum up. Right now, we have a what seems to be a three-way machlokas over here. We'll have to see next week if everybody agrees that, that, that there are three opinions. Aruch allows it completely. Rashi and possibly others forbid it completely. <clears throat> the Re says it's only forbidden rabbinically because of mitzvah, a mitzvah of, of it's similar to a mitzvah and it's mutter b'makom mitzvah. Okay? Those are three approaches. Next week, we'll continue with the Shulchan Aruch. And, uh, and, and the postgame, and we'll start getting into the practical halachas.